0: When? John chapter 14. I was telling Josh early in the week, I had these visions of grandeur of doing a mini series inside of our John series, and then the Lord was like, Would you knock it off? And I said, Okay, I'll go back to John. All right. But um, John chapter 14 is where we'll be, right down there, verse 1, 2, and 3, 4, 5, and 6. Amen. All right. Okay. Um, Here's my question to get us started here. What is the most important thing to the Lord? Just think about that. What's the most important thing to God? Is it souls? I might, you know, we're supposed to go win souls and preach the gospel to every creature, etc., etc. Is it um, fellowship, right, because the Lord wants us to walk with him, Right? You know, right? Fellowship with him, fellowship with each other. Is that it? Maybe. Is it just, is it your love for him? Right? The relationship he's trying to build with you. Maybe that's, maybe that's it. Well, the answer is kind of implied here in John chapter 14. And I thought of a very familiar verse in maybe a different way that I hope could be a blessing to you because it's been a great blessing to me. John 14, verse 1. We'll take it, we'll read these first six verses here. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way, ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And I want you just to notice in verse number six that in that upper room, Jesus Christ implicitly reveals what is near and dear to God's heart. John 14, six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Please notice that's who he is. But please notice at the core of Jesus Christ's identity is the truth. I am the way, I am the life, but what's at the heart of it? I am the truth. And uh, the way doesn't get to the life without the truth in the middle of everything. And the way you're taking doesn't lead to life if it's not going through the truth. The way, the truth, the life if the way is going through the truth, it leads to the life. So what's really near and dear to God's heart? The truth. That's the heart of everything. And the apostle John, if you remember in the upper room, he's the apostle who actually heard the heartbeat of God He leaned on his breast at supper and he heard the heartbeat of God. He got closer than any other disciple. And it's John's gospel that we're studying because it's John's gospel that tells us about the identity of Jesus Christ. That's why we study John. That's why we hand out books of John. That's why we read John because it shows us our beloved Savior. You know what John mentions more than any other Bible writer? He mentions the phrase, the truth, more than anybody else. Twenty-one times in his writings, he mentions the truth, the truth, the truth, the truth. So what is the most important thing to the Lord? The truth. That's what we're going to talk about today. Is it important to you? Is it important to me? Is it important to us? Why should it be important? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth came and hung on a cross to save my wretched soul and put itself down in words that I might learn about my beloved Savior. Help us, Lord, as we look into your truth today to appreciate it more, love it more, cling to it more, believe it more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, turn back to John chapter 8. I want to give you three reasons why the truth is so important. John chapter 8, we're going to look a lot at John's writing, jump off a little bit, but a lot of John's writing because he's the one talking a lot about it. Number one, the truth is powerful. The truth is powerful. You're going to have to give me some extra amens for the missing seats, all right? But uh, John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus Christ is speaking. Very familiar passage here. It says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You see, the truth is powerful because it's the only thing that makes you free. It's the only thing that makes you free, verse 36 says, indeed. Because like it or not, and I don't like it, but like it or not, we are living in a world that is a web of lies. And it is easy to get caught in the snare of this web of lies. First John 5:19 says, "We know that we are of God, Amen, and the whole world lieth in wickedness." <laughs> You get that? That's pretty simple English, okay? The whole world lieth in wickedness. It's one big cesspool of lies, and you want to know where the misinformation's coming from? It's not coming from the minority. It's coming from the majority. It's coming from the world. They're the ones that are the chief peddlers of misinformation. Amen? Amen. It says we know that we are of God. Do you? Do you know that you are of God? or of the devil you see verse 44 look at verse 44 Jesus told a bunch of vested religious slick polished dudes you're of your father the devil on the outside nobody would have thought it they would have bowed to them they would have said rabbi master as they passed them in the in the in the marketplace but they were of the devil So you're outside. The way you look today, even the fact that you might be sitting in a quote-unquote church service has nothing to do with your soul any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. Are you saved today? Are you of God today? The Bible says we know that we are of God. Do you? If you're not of God, guess who you're of? You're of your father, the devil. And I don't say that to insult you. I say that to splash a little spiritual cold water on your face. So you say, man, I better get saved. I better get born again. I better get out of the wrong family and get into the right family. Amen? That's what we're talking about. Do you know that? Do you know that? And do you know if you know that, and I got to say this to myself like I'm saying it to you, do you know that everything contrary to this book is a lie? Everything contrary to this book is a lie because this book is the truth. You want a little English lesson? Not a truth. A is the indefinite article. It means it could be any truth. What's your truth? This is my truth. Everybody's got a truth. Hey, you know. But when the Bible says the, and you say the, say, give me a pen. I steal Juliet's pen, right? I'll take any old pen when I say, give me the pen that's on the table, give me the book, I want to see the Bible, right? He is the truth. That means, that's the, that's the definite article. That means there's only one. That means anything that's outside of that truth that contradicts that truth is a lie. Even if it comes from Grandma. Okay, Picard, right? Even if it comes from Grandma, it's a lie if it contradicts that book. If it comes from me, and I contradict that book. I hope you call my hand and nail me to a wall somewhere because I'm not telling the truth. And even if it comes from the space between your ears, batting around like a ping pong ball in your head, if what you're thinking is contrary to what God has said to you in His Word, it's a lie. It's not the truth. Recognize it as such. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 tells us that the world is a wicked web of lies because the God of this world is Satan. He's the God of this world. He's the spiritual leader in this world. He's the thought police of this world. He's the fact checker, so to speak, of this world, right? He's the one doing all that stuff. He's the one propagating all these ideas. He's the ones behind all this nonsense. And John 8.44, listen to what your blessed Savior said of him. Ye you have your father, the devil. And the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan, the god of this present evil world, is the father of lies. So you want to trace a lie back, whether it's a lie between your ears or a lie that's, you know, on the on the Internet website you're looking at or the lie your neighbor says or the lie grandma says or any lie. Guess where it's coming from. Trace it back. It's coming from the father of lies. Because there's no truth in him. Why would we listen? Now, listen. If the truth makes you free. Amen. Amen. Then what a lie is going to do keep you in bondage, make you a slave, make you subject. The Bible tells us where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But where there is no spirit of God, you got tyranny, oppression, bondage. I mean, let's just think about the demographics of the world, right? The places where the Bible is least propagated are some of the worst places on earth. It is. I'm not trying to be political. That's just... That's just empirical, logical deduction. North Korea is not a nice place to go. Saudi Arabia, you better have a one-way ticket, right? You're not able to walk around there and do whatever you want. There's no freedom there like there was and is a little bit of freedom here because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, Right, personally, politically, whatever. Let me just get make you all super uncomfortable. Let me just speak some truth right now. I don't care where it hits or what it is. But politically, I'm going to be political. Right? If you're watching at home, get ready to put the strike on my channel. Right? But all those lockdowns that we endured, you know what they're all finding out now—that they were all based on false models. False assumptions and false... I'm not saying it wasn't good to be smart a few years ago and in the recent days, but all that stuff that kind of put people in their cages, you know what it was based on? Nothing. It was based on false ideas and false ideologies. And just in his illustration, what did all those things do that were based on lies? They kept millions of people in bondage and ruined lives. Drug abuse went up. Domestic abuse went up. Child abuse went up. Education plummeted. The kids are messed up. I'm teaching them now. I'm teaching freshmen that spent their entire middle school in front of a screen not paying attention to anything, and they are screwed up educationally. They are. They'll come out of it, God willing. The generations will come to pass, but it messed things up. You know what it was based on? It was based on falsehoods. I mean, it's all coming out now. They don't want to say that. they kind of conveniently like, hey, do one of these. But that, that's what happened. But let's get spiritual now so you don't get so uncomfortable and say, oh, Pat, you know. Spiritually, all those religions out there are based on lies. They're based on lies, right? And all they do is keep people in bondage. That's what they do. Do you remember when you used to be in bondage to a religion? I got to do this. I got to get to this. I got to get to that. I got to receive. I got to blah blah blah. I got to do that. You know, you got to do all this stuff, and hopefully, and religion propagates some good lies that keeps people in bondage. You want to hear some of them? They're familiar to you. You got to be a good person to get to heaven. How many people do we meet on the street in the fairs that would believe that? If I asked 100 people, I bet 99 of them. Hey, do you think you got to be a good person to get to heaven? Oh, yeah, sure. You know, because God's got these scales and he's just going to weigh it out. And if I tip the good, tips the bad, I'm in. But the Bible says there's none good. It's completely contrary. People say religion says nobody can know for sure if he's saved. That's the sin of presumption, Right. The Bible says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Amen. Who's telling the truth? Amen. There are many paths to God. Have Ever heard that? That's your way, this is my way. Even though Jesus Christ said, I am the way. Amen. Let me give you one more. Only people like Adolf Hitler go to hell. Uh, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you see how contrary? I'm just saying this to make you uncomfortable and show you the, use a big word, the cognitive dissonance that we go through every day. The fact that God says one thing and we swim in this sewer that is always saying something diametrically opposed to it. So when somebody says what the Bible says, you know what it does to us? It makes us uncomfortable a little bit. If I get up here and rail on the fact that somebody thinks you can put something in your mouth to get you to heaven, if I rail on that, you're going to get uncomfortable when the Bible calls that blasphemy, right? Somebody's going to talk about Jesus Christ and say, oh, he's a a lesser God. If I get on that, somebody, oh, Pat, you're being a little mean-spirited. No, they're lies. And we could speak the truth in love, but their lies. And religion just creates these lies. Look at verse 33. The religious people of Jesus' day were so in bondage to the lies of the devil, they had no clue that they were slaves. 33, they answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, she shall be made free? That's how subtle and slick the lies were. Because if a lie is a lie on the surface, you're gonna be like, oh, I don't want to believe that. But if it's packaged in a nice little wrapper that looks religious and looks spiritual, maybe some candles, maybe some stained glass windows, maybe some chanting in the background, maybe some incense, you know, just creates a little, mm-hmm, hmm hmm Then you just walk in, and it's just, you know, you just feel you know, mm-hmm, hmm 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 You recognize that. I do. And you just walk in and you feel like, oh, yes, this must be where God is. And God's like, I am nowhere near that house. Her paths are the paths to hell, going down to the chambers of death, God says in the book of Proverbs. You say, Pat, why are you getting so fiery about that? Because I'm trying to shake us out of the fact that that's not the truth. And we swim in it. The truth is the word of God. Look at John chapter 17. Before I lose anybody else. John 17. Let me show you another. And the truth makes you free from all that stuff. Got to be gracious with the truth. Don't be a jerk about the truth like I'm being right now. But if I was talking to somebody trapped in religion, I wouldn't smack them over the head with my Bible. I'd be gracious and patient, try to give them something to think about. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know, try to talk to them like a human being and be polite and kind, right? Even the guy that gave me a finger yesterday on 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 the street. I didn't give him a finger back. I gave him a different. I gave him this finger. He gave me a different finger. I gave him this finger. Another satisfied customer. Please give me a review on Yelp. Anyway, John 17, 17. And Jesus Christ is speaking to his Father. And he says, Sanctify them, meaning his disciples, through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. You know why the truth is also powerful? It doesn't just make you free. It's the only thing that keeps you free. It sanctifies you. It sets you apart after you've been saved. To sanctify means to set something or someone apart for God, like taking a vessel out of the temple cleaning it, and setting it apart for God. To sanctify makes that vessel clean so he, right, it could be a someone or a something, that vessel, and you're the vessel, to make that vessel clean so he can have fellowship and serve a holy God. God's holy. I know God is love. Amen. But when the seraphim are chanting up there around the throne, they're not chanting love. They're not chanting long-suffering. They're not chanting mercy. You know what they're reciting over and over again? Right now, if you could look all the way straight north, due north, or you could go all the way past Alpha Draconis and go way past the solar system, way past the third heaven and into the throne room of God, you know what they're chanting right now about your God? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Holy, holy, holy. You want to have fellowship with him? Be ye holy, for I am holy. He says, sanctify yourselves and be therefore holy, for I am holy. Get the filthiness out of this vessel so I can come and walk with you and talk with you like I want. And you need the truth to keep you free so you don't perish in this world's web of lies. Because like Spider-Man, they're out there. They're just shooting webs all over the place to try to catch you and snare you and trap you. And think about this. The truth you hold in your hand is so pure, it can keep you clean from all the filth this world throws at you. Jesus' will for the church is that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That book is your only hope to keep your brain, your body, your soul, and your mind free from the filth and the lies and the falsehoods and all the stuff out there that's going to try to drag you down and destroy your walk with God. You say, you're being dramatic. I'm being plenty dramatic. You know why I'm being plenty dramatic? Because Jesus is coming. And I want to be ready when it comes, and I have a responsibility to get you ready when it comes. So if I get fire, if I get passionate, I'm not angry. only person I'm angry at is the idiot I looked at in the mirror this morning, and that was me. I want us all to take stock in the fact that this is the truth, and this is all we got to get through to the other side. This is what we're holding on to. This is that anchor. Well, some of you might have done this in your house. You scotch guard your furniture, right? You know, you, you spray your furniture to create that barrier, right? And when you, as long as you apply the Scotch Guard, the stains don't stick to the furniture like they could. You got me. You applying the truth? How about this? To your brain a little bit. You applying the truth, so the sin of this world doesn't stick to you so easily. So the thoughts that run through your mind don't get such a foothold or a stronghold so easily? Let God be true and every man a liar. Every man includes you. We think all kinds of things, right? We think because we think them. They must be what we should think, but they're the furthest thing that we should think. The Bible says, think on these things. If we were as diligent with our thought life as we are with our diet, we might be very different people, right? We watch everything we put in our mouth, we flip the labels over. We check the content of this and the content of that and the fat grams and the salt and all that stuff. Hey, have you thought as much about the stuff you're going to watch later? Have you thought as much about the stuff you're going to listen to later? Have you thought about as much as to the, the pundits you're going to lend your time to later? No, you don't, but that's got, you got to have the same diligence. If you are as diligent cultivating your thoughts as you are your mouth, you are what you think. You're not what you eat. You are what you think. When's the last time you Scripture guarded your heart with the truth? Mary walks in, I'm wearing a Bible on my head, right? So it's in context, I'm sorry, right? When's the last time you Scripture guarded your heart so you weren't so susceptible to the lies of the enemy? Amen, amen, amen. Number two, let's go to uh, John chapter 8 again. We doing okay so far? Amen. I want you to love the truth. John chapter 8, verse number 45. Number two, why is the truth so important? Why should we love it? Number two, because the truth is powerful, number one, makes you free. And number two, the truth is plausible. They're all going to start with P, Rachel, right? The truth is plausible, right? Look what Jesus Christ is saying here, verse 45. He's talking to a skeptical crowd. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not, Which of you convinceth me of sin? He says, I'm not like you guys. I'm not a louse. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a thief. I'm not a backbiter. I'm not a gossip hound. I'm not a jerk like you are. He says, Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? See, Jesus Christ told you the truth, and he rightfully expects you to believe him. He shouldn't have to jump through hoops and provide proofs and do all kinds of logical gymnastics to make you believe him. Jesus Christ, because of his character, what he did on that cross, when he says it, that should settle it. He says, I tell you the truth. Why don't you believe me? Because the truth is plausible. It's reasonable. It's conceivable. It's logical. It's believable. That's what plausible means. Vocab moment. All right? It's something you're supposed to believe. Now, if the truth is powerful, and we said amen to that, why don't you put more confidence in what God says? If the truth is powerful, why aren't we plugging into it more and drawing strength from it more? If the truth is pure and unadulterated, why don't you believe what God tells you in his word more? Right? If you were like, some of us have gone to the mission field and they serve you some strange looking things sometimes. You're a little bit... Antsy about what you gotta maybe put in your mouth because you don't know if it's contaminated or if it's gonna make you sick, right? Mike Wood right all this stuff happens, this stuff happens on the mission field, right? You gotta get to get that stuff happening. But God puts something in front of you and says, This is absolutely pure. We should drink it up, gobble it up, consume it up. Psalm 12:6 says, the words of the Lord are pure words right? They are authentic words. They're uncontaminated words. They're honest words. They are true words. We can hold on to them. We can take them in without any fear of repercussion. There's no high fructose corn syrup in it. There's no, you know, this or that. No aspartame in it. It is pure words. Pure water. Pure truth. Drink it up. Take it in enjoy it. I say, th- I say something to you, I might have the wrong motivation. I might not be telling the whole truth. God is telling you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Help us, God, to just believe you. I'm getting more and more convinced as of late that we complicate the simplicity that is in Christ. God said it. That settles it. God says you prayed about it. Just leave it in my hands. God said I told you this. Just trust me. God says, I gave you a book. Why, do you, why won't you hold on to it? Thank you, God. Right? So many. And I'm not saying we shouldn't, like, reason with God. The Bible says, come now and let us reason together. Sometimes we need to bolster our faith. I get that. But at the end of the day, you've got to believe God or not believe God. Amen. Some of you got friends you're witnessing to, and they've got 1,001 questions. We'll answer them. But at a certain point, I'm going to believe God or not believe God. Right? What is, and this, this is a question I ask myself. What is wrong with us that we are so slow to believe the truth and so quick to believe a lie? Amen. Our sinful Adamic nature. Amen. We are slow to believe the truth and quick to believe a lie. Genesis 1.1 says from the first sentence of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and people keep following fairy tales. I watch Richard Dawkins, this supposedly esteemed scientist and philosopher, stand up in front of God and everybody and say, well, it's possible that our planet could have been uh, brought about by panspermia, that aliens from another, another world, you know, injected life here, and that's why we're here. I mean, whatever you're smoking, Rick you know, just pass it around a little bit because, Rick, you just tapped some kind of chronic because I don't know what you're talking about, Rick. You know, you're just a crazy man. And he's selling books and making famous and makes fun of God. (laughs) The greatest show on earth, his famous book. (laughs) You think that E.T. populated the planet? When I could give you logic and reason and all this kind of stuff to back up what I think and you just got this hypothesis because you've decided in your wicked heart anything but God, Right? And that's, that's what they're so quick to believe that lie. And we got scores of people that are lining up to believe lies like that when God said pretty plainly, no, I did it. I put it here. And it's logical. It's consistent. It makes more sense than thinking we came from something else. It does. It does. Hey, Jesus says, I'm the way. Is there any? Is there? I am the way. Four syllables. I am the way. Anything hard in that? Let me go to the Greek. I am the way. Let me try to get a commentary on it. It means he is the way. All right. People keep looking for another way to God. I'm going to go to this church. I'm going to try this self-help book. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to, what are you talking about? Why are you so quick to believe the lie when the truth is staring you in the face? Why do, we were preaching on the street yesterday. We said, why did Jesus die on the cross? Hopefully somebody was thinking for a second. God counsels his children. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Trust in in the Lord with all thine heart. You know what we do every day? We lean on our own understanding. When God told us, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding. What do we do? Well, I just don't see how this could work out. And I don't know what to do here. And oh God, I'm fretting about this. And now what's going to happen down the road? And God says, hey, be careful for nothing. That's what God told us to do. I think I understand why Jesus told those disciples on the road to Emmaus, oh fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. I think I would have been in that crowd that he had to say that to. Go over to John 8, look at verse 44. Look at the end of the verse. He says uh, in the middle, speaking of the devil, there is no truth in him. There is no truth in him. Why am I so inclined to believe lies when Jesus told me there was no truth in them? There's no truth in them. There's no truth in them. Let me show you a very sad thing. Go to 2 Thessalonians. We'll jump out of John's writing just for a second. And go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And let me show you why so many people will perish in the Great Tribulation. Something like two-thirds of the world is going to perish. And the answer is right here. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that the all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You know why people are going to perish in the Great Tribulation? By the scores? Your friends and neighbors and relatives that don't get saved before the rapture. You know what's going to happen to them? Verse number 10. It's right there. Because they receive not the love of the truth. Do you love the truth? See verse number 12? You see why else? Verse 12, <clears throat> because they believe not the truth. If you love something, you'll believe in it. If I love my wife and I do, I believe what she tells me. I believe her advice. I believe her counsel, even though she's like, well, then why don't you ever listen to me? I'm trying, baby. I'm trying. I really do. I hear it all, but I got to remember because I'm stupid. Right? But if you love someone or something, you believe them, right? You know what happens in verse number 11? Look at verse 11. Because they've been trusting lies so long and not loving the truth for so long, they believe the biggest lie in the tribulation. They believe the whopper of whoppers. And I'm not talking about Burger King. Go to 1 John, I'll tell you what the whopper is. What is the big lie that people are going to believe in the tribulation? It's in 1 John chapter 2. Right there. They're going to believe a lie. What's the lie? 1 John... Let the pages stop flipping. First John 2:22. Towards the back. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. You know what the father of lies is going to do in the great tribulation? The father of lies will deceive the world with the lie that he is Christ. How can you say, how can that be? That's the lie that he manifests in the flesh is the Christ, not Jesus. He isn't the Christ. I'm Christ. He is antichrist that denieth father and the son. Listen, you say, how could people believe that? because a world that's been willing to believe all the other lies is getting primed to believe the biggest whopper of them all. You want to believe you can work your way to heaven? You want to believe deep down you're a good person? You want to believe you got some divine spark? You want to believe in panspermia? You want to believe in this? You want to believe in that? You're building a muscle memory that's going in the wrong direction and it's a muscle memory to always believe lies, believe lies, believe lies, believe lies and then his majesty, the devil's going to show up on the scene and say, I'm here to save you. And the world is gonna think that the devil is the savior. And Jesus was something else. And you've got Luciferians that think that right now. They think Lucifer is the angel of light that came to lift us and illuminate us, and it's God that's just keeping us down. Jehovah's just keeping us down. You say, Oh, that couldn't be. Do a little reading, would you, before you look at me so suspect. Do a little reading before you give me that, that, you know, that 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 eye. That's what they think. That's what they teach. That's what they propagate. That's the Spirit. I will be like the Most High. He wants to be the Savior of the world. He wants to be worshiped. And he's just priming people for it, man. The biggest lie of all, that he's the Savior. 1 John 2.21, right above it. I like what's right above it. I'm waiting for the camera to explode. 1 John 2.21 I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, do you? And that no lie is of the truth. My brethren, if there's no truth in a lie, why would you believe it? Why would you entertain it? Why would you hold on to it? I'm preaching to me like I'm preaching to you. Wherever that's coming from, why? There's no yin-yang with the Lord that's an eastern philosophy that's a pagan philosophy you know a little bit of dark in the white and a little bit of white in the dark and we spin it and it's just one gray mush it's just all like the force there's the good force and the bad force are you a good witch or a bad witch right it's all wrong god says there's no yin yang with god there's light and dark there's truth and error. They're saved and lost. There's God and the devil and that's why the world hates this book because they want to hide in shades of gray. They want to hide in the gray and God says, no, no, no. I divided the light from the darkness and God says, that's good. The light divided from the darkness. That's the way it's supposed to be. You're all children of the light, right? And children of the day. You're not supposed to be of the night. You're not supposed to be walking like they walk, talking like they talk, acting like they act. There's a line that God draws. And God draws a line. Listen, who are you going to believe? The truth or the lies? It's a simple question. Now, I don't know if you do any food shopping. It's my favorite kind of shopping. But um, there's these things popping up more and more. Beyond meat. Right? fake meat plant-based meat over in Europe they're making bug-based meat you know people are starting to have now eat bug-based meat now listen if i want a hamburger why would i eat anything called beyond meat okay now i know it may look like a burger i know it may even taste like a burger but it's not a burger It's beyond. I don't know what it is. I don't know which direction it went, but it's it's not a burger. It's going to go beyond my plate because it's not a burger, right? Now listen, the devil may package lies to look really true, but it's not the truth. It's a lie. Wrapped up, looks like the truth, maybe even tastes like the truth, maybe even smells a little bit like the truth, but it's not the truth. God's the only one that can give you the truth. Do you know why so many Christians struggle? Because we waste our lives believing lies, entertaining lies. You see 1 John chapter 5? 1 John 5, 10. Look what the Lord says here. Now I'm going to get ready to wrap this up. 1 John 5, 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. Every time you and I believe the lie instead of God's truth, you know, we say to God, "Eh, you're a liar. You're lying. Jesus, Jesus says, I'm the way. Ah, I don't know. It depends on how you look at it. You know what you just said to God? You're a liar. God says, trust in me with all your heart. I don't know, Lord. I just, I'm worried. I just, God said, you call me a liar. You call me a liar. Jesus is a son of God. Well, I don't know. This guy told me he was Michael, the archangel that came down. Uh, You call God a liar. It's calling God a liar. We don't think of it that way, but that's what the verse says. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. What an insult to God, isn't it? And not just an insult to God, what glee for the enemy that you call God a liar instead of Satan. Every time you entertain his truth and put God on the shelf, you call God a liar and you make Satan the truth. That's an insult and must give the enemy infinite pleasure. Finally, go to John 18. I know it's tough to think of it that way. Let me give you the last thing here about the truth, why it's important, or should be important to you. John 18, verse number 33. What have we said so far? The truth is powerful, makes you free, keeps you free. The truth is plausible, it's something you should believe, because it comes from the one who is pure. And thirdly, and finally, the truth is personal. It's personal. The truth is personal. John 18, 33. Jesus Christ is being tried here by Pilate, the politician. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it of thee of me? Pilate answered him, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, I mean, you've got to just respect the Savior but how he's talking to this political hack here. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now, but now, does your Bible say but now? I hope it does. But now is my kingdom, not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, art thou a king then? Jesus answered, thou sayest that I am a king. Man, would you get this salty with the governor? Would you get this salty with the senator? He's getting pretty salty with him here. Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I unto the world, that I should bear witness unto thee truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? See, Jesus Christ tries to peg this idiot to the wall. You know what the political Pilate wanted to do? He wanted to make the truth impersonal academic theoretical oh, he was the he is the post you know he's the deconstructionist of the day what is truth you know what is it i mean is it something that we've created or you know is it based on situational ethics and cultural mores <laughs> oh pass the caviar buffy i mean what is truth you know what is truth? that that's what we do today right? we've got all these philosophers out there what is truth i sat with them You know why I get angry? Because I sat with them in college. I sat with them in school. I sat with them when I was struggling to find the truth. And I just saw them spend an hour and a half lecturing on something and then just never live it. And I was like, how is this the truth if you don't live it? How is this the truth that there could be another way of looking at it? It used to infuriate me. I used to get in fights with the, the deans of my colleges and stuff like that. I used to get in fights with them. I've spoken about it before. I wasn't always as calm and polished as I am now. But the truth is not like philosophy. The truth is not, you know, well, Kant says it this way, you know. Nietzsche put it that way. And I like, you know, what about, uh, what about Marx and Hegel? You know, I like the way they put that, you know, uh, dialectical materialism really floats my boat, right? What is floats your boat? No, all that stuff is gas. It's noise wrapped in like fancy words. And it makes you think like, well, wow, they really know something. Dialectical materialism. What is that? I'm not even sure. It has something to do with two. It but it's, it's garbage. Right? I've read it. I've studied it. The truth is not a creed you recite. The truth is personal because the truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the truth. And I remember being 20 years old and searching for how to get to heaven and trying to figure out how I wouldn't die and go to hell and being so afraid and having recited the creeds and rung the bells and spoke to the monks and gone to the self-help seminars and talked to the pseudo-psychologists and did all this stuff. I'm not saying there's all wrong with that stuff, but you know what happened? In that moment, by some grace of God, the Holy Spirit somehow, just in that moment when I read that tract alone in my room, told me, showed me, I'm the truth Amen. and all that stuff I heard about Jesus that I had recited as a kid suddenly became a person that was pierced that was hung that felt pain for me and I can't explain like that moment of it is it could only be of God when God does that for you because he sees your heart searching but in that moment it was like the Holy Ghost came through my room like a breeze through my mind and said I was a person on that cross. It wasn't an idea that died for you. It wasn't a philosophy that died for you. It wasn't Christianity that died for you. It was Christ. With hands you could touch and feet that walked and a body that got tired. The truth is personal. It came down to where you lived and walked where you lived. Why? To save you. So if the truth is a person, then the truth must become personal to you. And if you're going to fight my truth, if you're going to slander my truth, I'm going to scratch and fight and claw your eyes out if you try to take my truth away and slander my Jesus. Right, that's why I get a little bit fiery about this. You must believe the truth personally. You see, verse 37, Jesus said at the end of the verse, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. When you receive the truth personally, you are of the truth being born again, not of corruptible seed, but by incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. When you let that seed into the soil of your heart, you are born again. Now you're of the truth. You're part of it. When you receive the truth, that's Jesus Christ. You become part of his body, part of the truth, part of Jesus Christ we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, Ephesians 5.30 says. Everyone that is of the truth. Are you of the truth? Now go to 1 John. We're going to finish in 1 John. i got just a few verses left. I'll hurry. 1 John 1. 1 John 1. I hope we get this. I hope we love the truth. I always want to speak it in love, but we can never sacrifice anything. We can't sacrifice the truth for anything. Without the truth, we have nothing. 1 John 1, here's the sad fact. If we say that we... 1 John 1, 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. The sad thing is you can be of the truth but fail to walk in the truth. And not every child of God who receives the truth to save his soul walks in the truth to save his life. Verse 8 tells us again, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you're saved by the truth and refuse to walk in the truth, you're kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself. Let's say, let's just say I bought my son a beautiful brand new car to go to work and school. Christian, he knows he's not getting any ideas, right? But uh he's going to drive a clunker like the rest of us, but a nice clunker, right? But let's just say I bought him a brand new car to go to work and go to school. How would I feel if my son never uses it? Never takes care of it, never thinks of it. I never see him In the car I bought him. My son would be deceiving himself if he thought I was happy with him. How about you? God the Father has given you a blood-bought book. He's given you the truth. How does he feel when he never sees you in it? He never sees you flipping through it. He never sees you meditating on it. He never sees you applying it. Are you kidding yourself to think that God is just smiling on you? God says you're supposed to walk in the truth. Look at 1 John 2.4, right across the page possibly. 1 John 2.4, the Bible says, He that saith I know him, are you saved? Say amen. Amen. You're a little nervous, I know. You think I'm setting you up. He that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. See, it's not enough to just be saved by the truth. That'll get you to heaven, I know. But you gotta do something with the truth. That's what gets you rewards and blessings. When you receive a truth, you do something with it. If you learn something about diet, you do something. When you learn something about how to manage your money, you do something. When you learn something about, you know, relationships, you change something. You do something with the truth. Hey, when you receive God's truth, you've got to do something with it. That's would say you walk in it. I get my son that shiny new car. Do something with it. Use it. Experience it. Put it on the road. Try it out. I know Jenna and Steven, right? They got that little baby. And that baby is their child by birth. But for the first however long, it's really just a sleep and poop machine. I mean, uh, it's just like, oh, look, I think it smiled. Oh, no, it's, you know, you watch this little one for hours at a time, and it's like, they don't really do anything, they just... They, they 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 pass gas and you think it's a smile and they look at you and you think they're looking at you but they can't probably see you. It's they're, they're there. They're those by birth. That's your child. But when that child starts moving, they start crawling and then they start walking. Well, then he is really living. Then that's like a person now. Like wow. Now look. At, let me just give you the illustration. Go to First John three. You say, what are you talking about? Poop and sleep machines. What are you talking about? You are God's child by birth. But until you start walking, you don't really have much of an identity. You could be God's child by birth, but until you start taking that truth and walking in it and applying it and moving around with it and putting some legs to it, then you start really seeing like, wow, this is what it's all about. This is who I am. This is where I can go with God. 1 John 3, 18 says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby, if we love in deed, not just in word, if we do something with it, and not just say something nice about it, he says, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. He's saying, when you do something with the truth, you gain assurance that it is the truth. And you gain assurance that God is your father. And you gain assurance that, wow, I really am of the truth. Go tell your friends that you're saved and how Jesus saved you. I bet you in five minutes you'll find out that you're different than they are. Go stand on a street corner with us and hold up a scripture sign. I bet in about five of ten minutes you'll find out real quick that you're different from everybody else. Go try to raise your kids in a godly way and watch the way your lost family looks on on some of your decisions. You'll find out really fast that you know what? There's something different about you. You'll assure your heart, wow, God, you're really true. I'm really your child. There's something really different about me and there's something different about you. You'll assure your heart's before him. Go to the last verse. Go to 3 John. Shortest book in the New Testament here. 3 John. Where's this? No, 2 John, my bad. Third John. I want you in Third John. Third John, verse 3. You see, a few weeks ago, someone gave me a pair of shoes. It was supposed to be good for my feet. And to my shame, they sat in a box for about a week. But when I put them on and walked in them, you know what happened? I got assurance that they were good for me. And when you walk in the truth, you get assurance that you're of the truth and it's good for you. But you got to put it on and walk in it. you got to put some feet to what you say you believe. 3 John 3. John writes to Gaius, I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. He said you got the truth in you, you're saved, and you're walking in the truth. You're living it out. Praise God. Then he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now, that's John writing to Gaius. And it probably looks like John probably witnessed to Gaius and Gaius got saved, so he's his spiritual child. And he's like, you know what? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, people that have gotten led to Christ through me, are now walking in truth. That's a blessing. If you see somebody get saved that you maybe gave the gospel to, it's a joy and a blessing to see them going on for God. That's a joy. That's a blessing. But... Do you know, John's writing those words with pen and ink, but the Holy Spirit's inspiring those words through John. So the one that's really saying that he has the joy is God. And it's God saying, wow, I saved you, but I really get joy when I see you walking in the truth. Imagine God saying, that's a great child-raising verse, and a lot of people claim that for their children, but let's just take it spiritually. That's God the Father saying, I am no greater joy than to hear my children. Walk in truth. When you walk in the truth, you know what you do? You make your heavenly father happy. Shouldn't that be the only motivation we need? Don't you want to make your savior smile instead of calling him a liar all the time? Implicating him that he's not telling you the truth. Do you know what impresses God? Read through the gospels. You know what made Jesus stop still? Faith. He would marvel at somebody's faith. He would say, whoa, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Whether it was a a woman or a man, a guy saying, oh, heal my servant and all this stuff, he's saying, wow, that's amazing. He says he marveled at it. Faith in what he said, faith in who he is, belief of the truth, despite circumstances. One guy's got you know uh, somebody dying at his house and he he doesn't, he just says, Jesus, say the word and he'll be healed. And Jesus goes, wow, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. He thinks that I've got the power just by my words to heal somebody, even though everybody's despairing and circumstances look terrible and it doesn't look like, how is this guy going to pull out of this? I got faith and confidence in you, Jesus, to do something. And Jesus marveled. The Savior was blessed by somebody's faith in what he said in the truth of who he was and the truth of what he could do. Somebody said one time,